And if you have got your, uh, your Bible with you, then I would encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to just going to read Let me just uh, read the verses 3 to 6 for you and I'm going to pray. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will and pleasure to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. It's Sovereign Grace, part one, let me pray. Father, it is a passage of such magnificent beauty of such magnificent truth of such life-changing application and yet one father that your children so often struggle to grasp and struggle to believe and struggle to take to heart I pray that your spirit would overcome every boundary every barrier every hardness to receive your word, I would hear your voice speaking your sovereign grace into the very heart of your children here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to uh, take a look at these uh, statements that are coming up on the screen. If you're part of our home group or our connect group this term, you'll find them on page 5 in the booklet that we're going to be using, and uh, you'll, most of you will be getting them this week. Here are, here are, here are four statements on page five of that, of that booklet, and it's, here's what it says. Here's statements that people have made. My, actually, before I read it, just, just ask yourself as I, as I go through this, is, is, is this you? Is this how you see church? My Christian faith is really all about my personal relationship with Jesus. Here's the second one. I, I, I can have church anywhere. I don't need to go to a building or to be with a lot of people. My friends and I do church at our favorite coffee shop. wonder which one's your favorite coffee shop. Why should I join a local church? I'm a Christian, so I'm part of the universal body of Christ. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough? We've all heard comments like that. And, and perhaps, perhaps for you here this morning, even though that you're here, even though for those of you that are listening on live stream, this might be the attitude or attitudes that you have towards church. Many Christians think that, that their faith is just personal, it is private, it is individualistic. 
Church is seen as something just as a convenience. It's a, it's a, it's a tack on. It's something that we just add to our very, very busy lives so that, so that a nitty gritty reality of living together as the people of God just becomes an optional extra. But the view of the church that the Apostle Paul lays out for us in the book of Ephesians is breathtakingly different from any isolated, private, individualistic Christianity that many have who claim to be Christian. If you've got your Bible open, take a look at it, but it's going to come up on the screen. Take a look at the us. Take a look at the we. Look at the frequency of the we, the our, the us that comes through in this first 14 verses. Verse 3, blessed us. Verse 4, chose us. Verse 5, predestined us. Verse 6, freely given us. Verse 7, we have redemption. Verse 8, lavished on us. Verse 9, made known to us. In Him we were also chosen, verse 11, in order that we, verse 12, guaranteeing our inheritance, verses 14, verse 14. You see it? Christianity is us. It's we. It's together. As I told you last week, church is the body of Christ. And the concept of church as body is mentioned at least 13 times in this book. Just have a look at its first reference in chapter 1, verse 22. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His, His body. Is BBC and us? Is it really an us? Are, are, are we really a we? Are we in this together? I'm doing a, a wedding next week. Always love those things. Um, for a couple. And one of the verses that they, they want in the, in the wedding, it's a great verse, from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, this is what it says. It says, though, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. It's a, it's a great wedding verse. It's great, but it's actually about the church. See, Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book. And the wisdom of God before the creation of the world was to give birth to the church by the Spirit of God through Christ so that we can walk the road to glory, the, walk the suffering road to glory like three strands that cannot be broken. Listen to this quote from a guy called Richard Koiken. He said, we will generally find that when we cry out in distress, He doesn't remove us from our suffering, but brings brothers and sisters from our church family into our troubles to carry us when we're too weak to stand up for ourselves. It's a great quote. Is that us? Are, 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 we, are, we, are we getting into the nitty-gritty where we're actually carrying one another 
when we're too weak to stand up on our own because that's church. That's church. Let's have a look at our key verse in the passage, which is verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every blessing in Christ. For my headings this morning, I'm going to develop a statement. I'm going to develop a sentence, if you like, that will take us right through to the end. Here's how we start this sentence. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Do you know that, child of God? As the people of God, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. There is no blessing that we haven't been given. We have been given every spiritual blessing. We, we, we enjoy it all now in some way. But to be enjoyed in fullness in eternity one day. And when Paul talks about being blessed with every spiritual blessing, he's not talking about the, the, the trivial and temporary trinkets of earthly health, wealth, and property. He's not even talking about being released from jail because he's in jail at the moment. But he's talking about the eternal treasures and gifts of God. We have been blessed with every eternal treasure and gift of God. It's what David called in Psalm 1611, the eternal pleasures at your right hand. We have them all now. But we would experience them in the absolute full consummation one day. You might be familiar with the priestly blessing in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. This is how it reads. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. But if you're a Christian here this morning, here's how you need to read it. Here's how you need to hear it. The Lord has blessed you and will keep you. The Lord has made His face to shine on you and has been gracious to you. The Lord has turned His face towards you and has given you peace. Let's develop the sentence a bit further. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you're wondering about the heavenly bit, we'll get to that later on in the book. But I want you to notice, if you've got the Bible in front of you, come up on the screen. I want you to notice how many times in Christ or through Christ or in Him comes up. Take a look. Verse 3, in Christ. Verse 4, in Him. Verse 5, through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, in the one He loves. Verse 7, in Him. Verse 9, in Christ. Verse 11, in Him. Verse 12, in Christ. Verse 13, in Christ. Verse 13, in Him. We, as the people of God, have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, which means very simply that every blessing that we have is because of Him. It's because of Him, it's from Him, it's through Him. 
There is no blessing that we have that is apart from Him. It's never because of us. It's always because of Him. Because of who He is. Because of what He's done. We have been blessed with every blessing in Christ. Let's develop the sentence. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ to the praise of of His glorious grace. If you've got your Bible, take a look at the end of verse 6. To the praise of His glorious grace. Look at verse 2. It's grace to you. Verse 7, the riches of God's grace. Chapter 2, verse 5, it is by grace you have been saved. Chapter 2, verse 7, the incomparable riches of His grace. Every blessing, every blessing that we have comes to us in Christ, because of Christ, because of what He did. And it's all of grace. It's all undeserved, merited favor. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ to the praise of His glorious grace by sovereign election. You've got the passage in front of you. You can't really miss the word chose, can you? You can't really miss the word chosen. You can't really miss the word predestined. Just as a little aside... By the way, there's an excellent video series at the moment on YouTube called The Chosen. I don't know if some of you have seen it. It's free on YouTube. It's the life of Christ in the Gospels. Absolutely great. Really worth a watch. I think they're into the second season. But have a look at the Bible. Look at verse 4. For He chose us. Verse 5. He predestined us. Verse 11. In Him we were chosen. What that means is that our God sovereignly chose to bless us in Christ. This is an incredible phrase. We were chosen for blessing. Christians were chosen by God to receive every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, I know that so many Christians really struggle to, to, to understand this. Some actually think that, 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 if, that if, or some may even think or believe that, 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 that if God chooses to, to, to bless some and not others, that God is cruel or God is unfair or God is, has got favorites. It's not uncommon to hear Christians and even non-Christians say something like, well, if God only chooses some to be blessed and not others, I can't worship a God like that. But take a listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, one of the greatest preachers ever. He said, election sets the soul on fire with enthusiastic delight in God. The 39 articles of the, uh, the Church of England, the reformed wing of, of the Anglican Church, was part of my own Christian heritage and upbringing. Here's a statement from one of the articles. Beautiful. The godly consideration of predestination and our election in Christ is full of sweet, pleasant, and unspeakable comfort to godly persons. 
I would pray this morning that God, if you're a Christian, that God choosing to bless you with his sovereign grace would become to you something so sweet, something so pleasant, something so comforting, which will be of a balm to your soul. If we have eyes to see it, Jesus spoke about the election and the predestination of God's people all over the Gospels. I'll just give you one example in John chapter 6, verse 37. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. And Jesus is simply saying that no one can be saved unless the Father has chosen to give them to Jesus. Do you know that if you're a Christian... The Father chose you. He chose to give you to Jesus. Sweet, pleasant, comforting like nothing else. Just look how Paul puts it in the passage towards the end. He says, In him we were also chosen, having pre been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in a conformity with the purpose of his will. God choosing sinners for salvation, God choosing sinners to be blessed, it's the working out of His plans and His purposes. Now let me just, I just want to open this up a little bit and I hope this is going to be helpful for you. If we just say, God chooses, if we just say, God sovereignly chooses, we can miss it. When you hear that, it almost sounds like, well, maybe God has got favorites. But it's sovereignly choosing in grace. It's sovereign grace. It's in grace that He sovereignly chooses to bless. It's sovereign. It's all of God. But it's grace. Let me show you what I mean. If you've got your Bible, just flick your eye across to chapter 2 and verse 1. It's a passage we'll get to in a few weeks' time. But as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And when you read it from the Greek, it reads like this. In your sin, you were a spiritual corpse to God. Because we were all dead in sin. Because our sin has separated us from a relationship with the Father. None of us deserve to be saved. None of us deserve to be rescued. None of us deserve to enjoy the eternal pleasures at the right hand of God. None of us deserve to be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. None of us deserve to be rescued from the wrath of Almighty God in whom there is no darkness and the one that hates sin. And yet... In His sovereign mercy, in His sovereign kindness, in His sovereign grace, He chooses His people to experience lavish, eternal blessings. Let me turn it slightly this way. One of the reasons why we find election so hard to swallow is because we don't really think that the people who are not chosen we don't really think they deserve judgment. 
which reveals that we don't really think that we deserve judgment either. Got your Bible again, look at that passage. It's sovereign grace. It's sovereign in grace. Verse 5, in accordance with His pleasure and will. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace. Verse 7, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 9, according to His good pleasure. Verse 12, that we might be to the praise of His glory. Verse 14, to the praise of His glory. So let me finish the sentence. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ to the praise of His glorious grace by sovereign election unto adoption as the children. Chosen for adoption. Have a look at it in verse, end of verse 4, start of verse 5. In love, in love, in sovereign, gracious love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. We are not all naturally God's children as the liberal Archbishop of Cape Town used to say. But in incredible, generous love, end of verse 4, we were chosen, we were elected, we were predestined to be adopted into the family of God. Despite how dead we were, despite how unlovely we are, in an unspeakable torrent of affection, the Father predestined His children to experience the extravagant, lavish blessings in Christ. What does it mean to be? What, what does it mean to, 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 to be an adopted son or daughter of the Father? It means that we enjoy His tender love. It means we enjoy Him caring for our needs. It means we enjoy Him pardoning our sins, protecting us, discipling us, directing us, disciplining us the way we should go. We enjoy the Father working out everything for our good. And we just enjoy God showering His undeserved blessings and kindness on us. Yes, our Father allows us to go through many difficult and painful things. But His ways are not our ways. But His ways are always good. They are always right for His children. As, as adopted children of God, we always enjoy God's attentive ear to our prayers. God never gets sleepy. Our Father never gets inattentive. Our Father never gets grumpy. He never gets irritable. There is always sufficient power to ensure what needs to get done is done. And to be an adopted child of God means that we enjoy the company and the comfort of brothers and sisters in Christ. That we enjoy one another. We are brothers and sisters together. That three chords that cannot be broken. And we walk 
a sometimes very difficult road to glory together. Got your Bible, look down at that verse 14 and see that word inheritance. As sons, adopted sons and daughters of the Father, we will receive a glorious inheritance that the Apostle Peter says can never spoil, never perish, never fade. My brothers and sisters, that inheritance is the full experience, the full consummation of absolutely everything we have in Christ as adopted children of God. I hope this is on the screen. Here's another quote from... Uh, no, it's not. Let me read this quote from Richard Koken. He says, What an incredible privilege it is for us now to be chosen for adoption by God the Father to inherit a share in his son's glorious estate in heaven. End quote. Here's a quote from J.I. Packer. He said this, he said, You sum up the New Testament if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and knowing God as their father. So there's the statement. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ to the praise of his glorious grace by sovereign election unto adoption as the children of God. How do you respond? How do you respond? Let me give you six words. Here's the first one. Praise. Praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavens with every spiritual blessing in Christ. See, Paul, right at the front, right up front in this letter, Paul wants to, he wants to evoke praise from the people of God. He wants to evoke praise from the people of God to, the, to their Father of all blessings. You might want to put it this way. It's Paul, he wants to incite praise. He wants to provoke praise from the body of Christ, from the bride of Christ. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. In other words, no matter what the difficulties are, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what the challenges and the sufferings and the heartaches and the hardships are, Paul wants us as the people of God, knowing how blessed we are to to praise Him. And as we read that, we understand that the Apostle Paul is no ivory tower preacher. Because if you've got your Bible, just flick to the end of the book and have a look at chapter 6, verse 20. And notice where Paul is when he writes this. When he pens this letter of praise for us, where is he? For which I am an ambassador in? He's in jail. He's in jail. But it's not jail that's ever going to stop praise from Paul's mouth. You see, the, the primary reason why Paul, the primary 
Yeah, the primary reason why Paul can praise God in the desert place, in the wilderness, in the darkness of jail, the primary reason why he can praise God when the road is marked with suffering and there's pain in the offering is because he was chosen by the Father in sovereign electing grace in Christ to be his son. No matter where you are, no matter the space or the place that you find yourself in, it's this, Lord, every blessing you pour out, I will turn back to praise. Every blessing. No matter how hard, every blessing that you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. What that means for us as a, as a body of Christ here at BBC, it means that we're to be a praising, worshipping body of Christ. That's who we are. That's what we do. Whether the sun comes up or whether it doesn't come up, we praise. Praise should absolutely dominate. It should permeate our individual lives as the children of God especially when we meet together as the body. It doesn't mean there won't be tears. It doesn't mean there won't be heartache. It doesn't mean there won't be mourning or grieving. But it means that we praise in the tears. Praise in the mourning. Praise in the grieving. Praise in the suffering. Praise in the hardship. Praise. Here's a second word. Humility. Let it be that God's sovereign grace to us may humble us this morning like nothing else can. Let us repent of pride, of arrogance, of some sort of spiritual superiority as the children of God. Let the lavish grace, the lavish mercy, the lavish kindness, the lavish love, the lavish grace of God, let it humble our hearts this morning. Let me put it this way. Let sovereign grace provoke humility within us. Because when it's sovereign grace, we can never think that we're better can we? We can never think that we're somehow superior because we're chosen and others are not. Sovereign grace doesn't make you proud. It makes you humble. Look at verse 4 if you've got your Bible again. Chosen before the creation of the world. You, you realize this morning that you, that, 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 that you were chosen to be graced before you were even born. We're not saved because we're cleverer than someone else or more intelligent than someone else or we were more wise than someone else or more deserving that, that somehow we're better, more superior than, a, than an atheist who, who hasn't come to faith or a, or, or a Muslim or, a, or an agnostic or whatever. 
It's when you think you have the ability to choose Jesus that pride and arrogance can come. Because if we chose God before God chose us, then we could be proud of our wisdom, couldn't we? Sovereign grace humbles like nothing else in this world. It's praise. It's humility. Thirdly, responding grace. What do I mean? Brothers and sisters, if we have been so lavished with sovereign grace, let us be so gracious to one another. I don't know if some of you, I won't sing it, but it's the old hymn, Freely, Freely, you'd know this one, Shane. Freely, freely you have received, so freely, freely lavish grace chosen adopted children of God who are then to show that immense love and grace and kindness and mercy and forgiveness to one another I was uh, I was uh, I was lamenting to a brother just yesterday we were we were on a run together. And I, was, I wasn't lamenting because I was running. Um, <laughs> although he, he might have thought so. I was, I was lamenting to him on the run. And I was including myself when I said this. I was lamenting to him. I was lamenting to him that sometimes Christians can be so graceless to one another. We're so quick to criticize one another. We're so quick to promote our own preferences. We're so quick to, pro to, to condemn. We're so slow to forgive. We're so slow to overlook offenses. We're blessed with every blessing in Christ. And we can be sometimes the most graceless people in the world to one another. got a theological difference with someone and you can insult them. Run them down. May it be grace permeates this body. Permeates this bride. Permanence Bustleton Baptist Church. Let me give you a fourth word. There are those that will turn around and say, and look, and it's a, it's, it's a, these are things that we have to consider. People turn around and say that somehow this whole sovereign grace, it just undermines evangelism. In other words, if God chooses whom he's going to choose, well, then we don't really have to bother about going out and spreading the gospel and saying the gospel to anybody. But let me show you how the passage answers that question. So, I don't know if I've got it on here. In verse 4, it says, we were chosen in him. But here's the question. We're chosen in him. But here's the question. How, how do chosen sinners come to God? 
How do chosen sinners come to God? Look at verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see it? It's through the proclaiming of the gospel, it's through the preaching of the gospel that God calls His children to Himself. Election comes through the preaching of the gospel. And so when we're called to evangelize, we go out in confidence that we are preaching the gospel to everyone, knowing that we're involved in this work with God. And we pray urgently and we evangelize urgently because we know that God has chosen many to be saved. And so evangelism is a privilege. It's an honor to be part of that which God uses to call His children from the four ends of the world to Himself. Sovereign grace does not undermine evangelism. It provokes evangelism. And let me give you one more word. There are those that, that can say again, and we've got, to, we've got to grapple with it. There are those that can say, but you know, the sovereign grace, it's just going to mean that Christians will just live the way that they want to keep on living. You know, once saved, always saved. I mean, grace is grace, isn't it? Look at verse 4. We're chosen in Him before the creation of the world to be what? Holy and blameless in His sight. We were chosen to be holy and blameless based on the holy, blameless work of Christ given to us by faith. Election, the purpose, one of the grand things of election is that we were chosen to be holy. Holy in every way. We were chosen to become more and more godly chosen to be righteous in His sight and then growing in sanctification. Anybody who says that sovereign grace leads to licentious living or a don't care how you live attitude, they profoundly misunderstand the very nature and power of election. So let me finish with this. There it is. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ to the praise of His glorious grace by sovereign election unto adoption as children of God which fuels our praise, our humility, our grace to one another, our evangelism and evangelism.